when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? Welcome to Waypoint Radio, episode 270 for October 10th. Nope, October 11th. Yeah. I wish it was the 10th, because we do 10-10-2019, yeah. but it's 10-11-2019. That doesn't, doesn't, that's, <laughs> nothing. that's nothing. <laughs> that's numbers. There's, a, there's some loose sequentiality at the beginning, and that's I it. I suppose. I'm Austin Walker, joining me here in the studio. Kato hey. is here. Patrick, recovering from a 101-degree fever, 102-degree fever, somewhere in there. How do you get... So, day one, felt yeah. crummy. Day two, feel better. Day three, wow, just add the last two days together and just make it a thousand times worse. I don't get <laughs> it. I don't get... I don't get bodies. They're bad. Your body's fighting for you, and yeah. that means sometimes it gets beat up. That's what I try to tell myself. is like, yeah, the fever means I'm out on the battlefield, <laughs> and, you know... It's doing its thing. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the harder battlefield. Harder to explain that to yourself at three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> while you're just like, shivering and sweating. <laughs> yeah. Playing grinds, playing grindstone, waiting for the extra strength nighttime medicine to kick in. <laughs> God. Oh. Uh, speaking of the battlefield, Field General, Rob Zachney joining us. Hi, Rob. How you doing? You were on like a little break. Doing pretty well. Yeah? Good. No fevers. Yeah. And, um... Only this fever I've got for Breakpoint, a game released universal acclaim. <laughs> it was, it has got been, my finger on the pulse of the industry. It's so funny. It's so us. It's so Waypoint to be like, yeah, just just this. It is. It is very funny. I, I'm 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 here for it. Uh, did you play more Breakpoint? Oh yeah. Are you still? You're still yeah. high on high on the fumes of. <laughs> of yeah, it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is on the island, I don't know. It's I like very, that game. I'm not. It, it's a weird thing. I, the thing I am uneasy about with my review is how much did I discount? Just mm. like, for instance, one of the things that comes up a lot in uh, more critical reviews of Breakpoint, uh, I think Heather brings it up, is that a lot of the game doesn't necessarily make a great deal of sense if you look at how it's constructed because it's sticking to that like Ubisoft open world template. And I'm like, hell yeah. It completely like, be, <laughs> because the thing is for me coming to this, I think this is the first one of these since I've played really since Odyssey, having everything not dictated by RPG stats, having those stats become almost meaningless mm -hmm. was kind of refreshing to me. But then does that also mean I probably should have been more annoyed than I was at the fact that I had to break down my level 28 G28 <laughs> rifle because now I had a level 45 G28 rifle mm -hmm. and that's just a totally different game. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, for me, first of all, I think it's true for anyone who's written a game review, or for probably anyone in this in this call at least, that there's always that period of reflection afterwards where you're like, 
Did I give this thing a hard time? Did I go too easy on it? <laughs> is this accurate to the way I feel about the game now that I've gotten it out of my system? Sometimes writing reviews like writing a letter to someone and then, you know, sometimes you write a yeah. letter and then you don't send it and you're like, got it out of my system. I feel good about it. I'm fine now. I wrote it all out. But then you hit a rough draft. It's a rough draft. Sometimes you just wanted to get that, get it out in the world. Sometimes you need to send the letter and with, with a game review, you always have to hit send. And so sometimes you end up saying some stuff and you're like... It was true when I wrote it. Uh, I will say, like, in general, I think our job as critics is to, like, report how we feel as honestly as possible about a thing and and with as much insight. So I think you did that. I think – no, no, no. But I think what what I'm putting my finger on more is – this is an argument I used to have with uh, Dan Stapleton over at – when I was doing freelance reviews for IGN a lot. Is he – he was always a real stickler. He was a stickler for a lot of things because if you worked with Dan, uh, you discover he has lots of peccadillos. Uh, that you sort of navigate around as, as a freelancer. <laughs> love, love Dan. Uh, also, like sometimes wanted to strangle Dan. That is the experience. <laughs> but one of the things he would always push me push back on was this idea that you can't take parts of a game. You can't like say, ah, I'm really focusing on these things because they kind of define my experience. He's like, you really have to be like, you can't pretend something doesn't exist. Uh, and in the context of when he and I would have those arguments, a lot of times it was about multiplayer modes in games that didn't necessarily need them mm-hmm. or benefit from them. And his position was always, well, you say here the multiplayer kind of sucks, but that doesn't seem to have dinged your opinion of the game at all. And my response was always, yeah, cause it's so throwaway. Like it doesn't matter. That's I'm here for the campaign. So I don't I don't really care too much about whether I, I got much from the multiplayer. And his response, and I don't think this is unreasonable, was always, you can't just say, well, here's the part I like, and I think that's the real game. And this other thing doesn't exist. And I have some sympathy for that. With Breakpoint, it's weird because there's so much that is typical Ubisoft cookie-cutter design mm-hmm. that it's become almost transparent to me. And what defined the game was sneaking around and like sniping shit and breaking into facilities and getting the stuff I focused on in my reviews. But the thing I'm I'm sort of reflecting on is because it's loomed really large for other reviewers. Is there something to sort of the Stapleton critique, let's call it, of... If it's in the game, you know, the, the, the right. reviewer's equivalent of, e, of EA Sports, if it's in the game, it's in the review. <laughs> right. Uh, whereas for me, I'm like, I don't really. You're not going to judge the a steakhouse on the sushi, right? Like, that's the. You're yeah. there for the steak. You're going to eat this. Yeah, sure. They have sushi on the menu. Awesome. Right. It's not good. Of course it's not good. But that right. wasn't what you're interested in here anyway. Right. So it's like, yeah, Breakpoint has assault rifle levels. Uh, sure, they don't, they, but they were so, they, they mattered so little that I didn't really care too much. So how much do I, how much do I weigh that in when I think about it as a review? I don't know. This came up with uh, microtransactions too. Um, this, you saw this discourse around Odyssey as well, this idea that modern Ubisoft games are like basically designed to be vessels for microtransactions. But the weird thing is, I don't think that's true. Like, Again, it's kind of a system in there to be somewhat ignored. And so I think this is the this is the weird thing that comes up particularly with the Ubisoft template. When we were talking the other week about it feels like they've adjusted sliders. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is the weird place we've gotten to or I've gotten to with Ubisoft open world games where I'm like, okay, what balance did they strike with their basic design? And does this one work for me in a way that maybe the, maybe the, the others didn't? That does make me a little bit apprehensive about, uh, you know, the new watchdogs, for instance. I was thinking a bit about how like you sort of redefined what watchdogs was because I played it as like, it's kind of a bad open world shooter and you turned it into a cyberpunk like stealth, uh, you know, it, yeah, uh, you know, s- stealth, nonviolent, you know, uh, uh, simulator um, that to me. But like that's a great example of me writing a piece that couldn't that would never have flown. People who don't know what Rob is referring to. I wrote a piece for Paste years ago <clears throat> called Real Human Beings, which was about watchdogs and Shadow of Mordor. Um, and I, I talked about how I played watchdogs one. Um, with the defi- with the goal of never killing anyone. Uh, that game was not built for that. That game is built with lots of like gunfights in mind. It's like, okay, now the doors close and you have to you have to disable everyone before the doors open. Um, uh, but both in those sections and in the open world, I did my best not to pull a gun out. Not to, or like if I had a gun to, you know, do my best to to not use it to kill people. Um, I, I think I ended up killing a handful of people. I talk about that experience in the in the game, and like every time it happened, um, it felt momentous and terrible, either because my car hit someone or because I uh, was stuck in a. Now the thing was like I wasn't someone. I wasn't saying I will die and start over and do a pacifist run. It wasn't like playing Dishonored and be like, I guess I got to load my save. It was. If my character is in a position where they're like, all right, I'm in a closet and a guy has a gun and is shooting at me, I will shoot back. That happened and that felt terrible too uh, because I'd like gone so far into the game without doing it. But that is so much the Austin Walker bring your own shit to a game. Um, and I in 2014 or whenever I wrote that, there was no way that would have flown as a review at an IGN or a GameSpot or anything like that. Like I would have felt like I had a responsibility and even now would kind of feel like I have a responsibility to try to play the game the way eh, eh. for us. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would just call it maybe a, not us, but like in a lot of but, other places, yes. you would write the more standard review and then you would do your essay. Yes, afterwards, exactly. Which was our whole conversation about. Why we didn't do reviews at Waypoint, and we finally just said, "Fuck it, just make the essay the review, yeah. and we'll just live with it." We're yeah, not gonna and if it's on it anyway. experimental and weird, then it's experimental and weird. And guess what? There's lots of other places where you can go get the traditional review of of what the game's content is. I will say for me, Rob, the progression stuff around the level 28 versus level 45 rifle is like it. It is it is compelling, and not in the what a, what a great film we saw way. In the, like, the way... I can't stop scratching this. Yeah, the way, like, a fishing line is compelling for a fish once it's in its mouth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I want, yeah. Okay, I'm going to do another I'm gonna do another, uh, another activity. Oh, there's three chests in there. Okay, I'm going to do that one. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stay connected to this because there is a constant, like, endorphin push. Um, and it's like, well... It, is that good? Capital G good? Is that is that smart design? Is that like what's that mean for for the uh, burden it takes off of needing to produce other interesting progression systems? Because it has this one that just works in this like uh, deep memory, you know, mind chemical way. I don't know. It's it's it's. I have not made up my mind about that game yet. I still like it in, in the moment to moment. I want to put some more time into it for sure. Um, but it's like. For me, I think I'm with you at the end of the day in terms of what is the focal point of what I care about when reviewing something like that. 
and yet I do find myself kind of cheering for this backlash that uh, Breakpoint has engendered because I think at some point the Ubisoft model of making these games does need to encounter some shoals, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe force a reconsideration of how general purpose they can make this template versus how much it maybe needs to be games need to be more specifically tailored Uh, because I think this is where I ended up a lot of the frustration I see with uh, breakpoint reminds me a little bit more of why Odyssey left me so so cold compared to Origins yeah uh, which was that Origins, that stuff was there, but one, I, I was just more engaged with the story. I liked Bayek a little bit more. But also it didn't necessarily feel as cloyingly single-player RPG, uh, whereas once Odyssey hit, it was like, oh, this is – if this guy has 10 levels on me, that's just going to be a nightmare of a fight, and I'm just going to have to beat the hell out of him before I, I win that fight. And that really turned me off. And so Odyssey was the one where I sort of looked at that, and I was like, Ugh, this this Ubisoft model is getting a little bit um, – I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit trapped by it the, the, the more I play it. Uh, whereas here, I, I think the model almost – fails so completely to encompass what you do in the game that it was easier for me to set it aside in a way that odyssey never let me forget odyssey was always like do you have your serpent bow equipped do you have you have you made sure that the the really cool uh helm of achilles is is on your character's head right the second (laughs) because otherwise you may not even don't even try to loot this temple uh whereas ghost recon it's like Look, why don't you just shoot that guy in the head? We just fucking shoot him in the head. Yeah, he will just die. Just try to be quiet about it. <laughs> God. Uh, before we leave Breakpoint, I just want to shout out one thing, which I found out since our last recording, which is, you know, Jay Skell, the inventor who bought this island and turned it into Silicon Valley 2. Uh, sorry, yeah. the inventor who went galt. Uh, he is played by Rodney Mullen, the skateboarder who you might know from inventing the kickflip or being in those Tony Hawk games, <laughs> which is very funny. He does a great job. J- Jay Skell's voice wow. is like top tier. The cadence, like everything about the intro cutscene where this dude is like doing his best Apple, like WDCC. By or, way of Owen Wilson. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. It's so We're building a world 2.0 here. It's so good. <laughs> it's great. You, future generations may not even remember us it's, or what we did, but you know, I think they're going to remember. I think they're going to be grateful to us. It's so good. Uh, God, before we, we move on to what is a very news-heavy day, I have two other games we get to talk about, uh, news-heavy week, rather. Um, one, I've been continuing to play Final Fantasy XIV. I just briefly, I don't have a lot to, I don't have a big check-in here. Uh, I'm like level 26 or something, 27. I'm getting towards where I get to change. Still on your own? Still, oh, 100%. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I have good friends who what are like, that? Austin, I have good friends. I oh, want to people be clear. feel bad for you? No, people want to play with me. Yeah. But me playing mm. this game is like me be doing chores. And it's like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm going to put on a podcast. Like, it feels bad to play still. The level You're like, just churning. I'm just churning. I'm doing the worst side quest, like the most fetch questy bullshit. I've just like run between the same five places 70 times in the last three hours trying to help these fucking sylphs who, and this is the real thing that I'm like shocked no one told me about. Did you know that like, so I've been playing this game for like, whatever, 25 hours. Mostly I've been suppressing the quote, savage beast tribes. 
all of whom worship their own evil god. I, 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 my understanding is I will move past this and have forgotten <laughs> that this was even part of the story. Because when I talk to my friends who put 100 hours into this, they're off dealing with completely other shit uh-huh. that's done by a different writing team and et cetera. Mm. But like, I, and it's supposed to be like a game that is like com- constantly yes. commenting on like class yes. and social mobility. Absolutely. And uh-huh. like, and there, there like, there's Austin turning the wheel of progress. So I started off in like ding. the forest area. And when you're in the forest, it's like the elf. It's like the elf zone. Right, because yeah. I, I was playing an archer, so I want to play with someone who is playing as whatever the proto white mage class is. Because eventually you level up and you can become those other more like you know traditional uh, classes. Um, and in that zone, they were fighting with with this this like local tribe, and I was like, local shit, like they're it's local territory. You know, eh, I'm there's some coding here that's not great. Whatever. Like I played video games. I've dealt with fucking Final Fantasy games before. I'm yeah. not that surprised by it. Then I get like to the bit where it's like, all right, now now join up with the rest of the player base from the other starting zones, and now you're like you're inducted into like the secret cops or whatever the fuck <laughs> yeah. you're doing. Uh, and, you know, you're now you're a hero, and then you and then and then they're like, all right, now not only are you a hero for this like you know secret task force that's trying to stop the the evil uh, primals, which are these like these gods, the gods, the gods that are like the summons from previous Final Fantasy games. So like Ifrit and Shiva and Rama and all those characters. Uh, Like we don't, we have to stop the primals, but also you should join up with one of the nation's military arms. These things called the grand companies. So go from spot, go from like capital to capital, listen, being introduced to the main NPC from each place, like the the leader of each of these three big cities, uh, these three big city states. And in each of them, two things happened. One, the, the leader had to be like, here is our national character. Here is why you should pledge undying loyalty to us uh, and help us in our fight against the beast peoples. Uh, each one of them. Two, a little <laughs> fucking rat asshole bastard who I know supposedly becomes cool. This guy, Alphano, who is apparently like has a great arc. I, and I believe people. I believe that in 112 hours, I'm like, y'all don't understand Alphano. Alphano is what I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying, though, is that you? it's been so clear that like, other people who have experienced this over the course of like seven years yeah. or whatever it has been since the game came out yeah. went to its 2.0 version, yeah. which uh, Daniel Dwyer at Noclip did a great documentary about how they reinvented a game that was an abject failure at yes. launch and turned it into what is now a wild success. Um, you know, as fans, you compartmentalize yes. the bullshit. You find like, and I'm not, I am, I am not suggesting that this game doesn't get good and that people I, have I, like put on their blinders. I'm but certain it, it is does. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Cause yeah, because too many people. This little like, dude trust, comes like, up. He's a he's an elf, or he's I don't know what he, he's not a Makote. Those are the the cat ladies. I don't remember what the different cultures and species are yet. I'm not that deep in. Is he one of the ones that looks like kids? No, he's not a Lalafell. Those are the okay. little tiny ones. Little the little ones. Sultana of Olda is a, is a Lalafell, and this big ass like you're just, you're just I know you're just I'm just saying some up. shit. <laughs> uh, there's a character in this I'm game. Like, are we talking about Rift now? <laughs> I mean, there's a character in this game named like Taru Taru Tara or something like that. There's a lot of names in this well, yeah, game. But ta- isn't Taru Taru is like a uh, that's a thing in Final Fantasy, right? I don't fucking know. The Taru? so so this little dude Alf comes out. So you love the rat? I love. I hate this motherfucker, and people love him. I'm so curious to know why people love Alf. He comes out 
and and he point every time he points at the banner of whatever like kingdom I'm in, and he's like, ah yes, red because they're warriors, and blood is is crimson red. Ah yes, the scales the scales could represent justice or commerce, couldn't they? Ah boat, that's because they love boats. And like <laughs> fuck off, this little motherfucker. That's he sucks I love that. ass. He's the fucking worst, and he's like trying to be the smartest person in the room. And I know he's gonna get his comeuppance. I know they're setting him up for a fall. But like for me to be on Twitter and be like, if you type in Alpha No, which I'm not going to tell you how to spell it, you can guess. Look at the fan art. People love this motherfucker. But his first impression is like him and his sister hanging out, and his sister says no words, and he just tries to like seem like he's the smartest dude in the room. Um, did you guess the spelling, Rob? Did you? I saw you typing. <laughs> I was looking up. T- I thought the Tarus were from Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. No, not the bird. A L P H I N A U D. Alpha no. You know. <laughs> excuse me. Oh, excuse like, like, me. Okay, like Reynaud. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. I. Oh. Oh, uh, I don't like this. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm. Listen, mm. I'm sure he goes. I'm sure that there's a whole thing. Uh, and if you love him, do not write in because I'm telling you, I bet you're right. But it's you have to understand that each time he was like, the savage beast tribes of Eorzea need to be put down. And like, fuck off. You need to be put down, my guy. Someone should step on you. So you're still, not like that. This is still the, in a, <laughs> this is still the 2.0 stuff, right? This is so still. you haven't gotten to any of the expansions. No, I've gotten to none. I'm not even close, dude. I'm like, I'm like at the beginning of the game still in the sense that the oh. world has opened up to me. Um, and, and like, it seems like what's in front of me is going to each of these beast tribes and suppressing them and breaking fucking them up, fucking them up so that they don't summon their evil gods. Uh, well, listen, to be compromise. fair, I've been told, once listen, you've taken the King's shilling <laughs> from letter of Mark, Tom Nook, <laughs> you just have to do what you're going to do. Uh, the, thing that I've heard is that eventually you get to meet some of the good ones. If you if you grind some quests, you learn... A whole lot of asterisks in oh, this conversation yeah. about Final Fantasy. So, I'm gonna keep so at I've it. So, I've heard, I've been told, uh-huh. supposedly, uh-huh. reportedly, so you, you know allegedly... Uh-huh. And what's interesting about that, Patrick, is if you think about the, like, you know... After 150 hours with these people, <laughs> people feel really differently. Like, I've heard after, like, a thousand hours, you will identify really strongly with Alphano and all the kingdoms, and uh, suddenly it won't seem so bad. But it's and supposed it's like, to. It's, <laughs> it came as uh, I want you. to be clear uh, that I am purposefully hoisting uh-huh. myself. I am setting myself up because by the time the holidays hit, I will be probably into Heaven's Word, the first DLC, where I've unlocked a, a class that I'm super excited to try because I hear the story is good. And, like, I bet I come around on it, but I need to record for posterity that this is where I'm at. <laughs> that playing this game is like worse than washing dishes. If I could level up by washing dishes, not even mine. Other, if I could take a second job, do if I could come back, if my day job here was re-offered to me and you told me I got levels in Final Fantasy. Hold on. Also, and could, yet. Yeah, what? You wouldn't You need use like a an boost. app on your phone, like a Pokemon Go, where like as you walk, so, your characters are also leveling. So wait, wait, yes, that would be great. What'd you say, Kata? And yet you wouldn't use a boost. So the boost gets rid of the class quests. 
If the Bush just made me level 75 and let me play through the, all of the quests, I would do it. I looked into it. Uh, I, I dreamt that there was a, I dreamt. You've gotten like 900 were, emails about these power boosts. Of course, they're $25. They really want us to power there, are, there are items you can use to like increase how much XP you get. The two that I have, one of them stopped working because I'm over level 25. The other one's about to stop working because I'm about to be level 30. Yeah. And so it's like. I could probably get you some. I don't like, want. I ha- literally, they don't, they I don't have exist. Emails. This is what I'm saying is the thing that I want okay. is just an XP doubler in the sense of like a mobile it's just game. Like, it's just, yeah, just fucking yeah, give yeah, me yeah, the yeah. extra XP. So all I have to do is the main quest and my class quest. Right. And it's it's basically been that. It's just that those things have also sucked and not, it goes back to the to the breakpoint thing, which is like, I want that endorphin hit. I haven't gotten gear. I haven't gotten a single drop that's mattered to me in 10 hours. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. Like when you get the drops, like I don't know if I just got something super good in all of my slots uh-huh. uh, 10 hours ago or whatever, right. but the, whenever you finish a quest, you get an option on whenever, but often when you finish a quest, it's like, all right, do you want to take this belt or this, this hat or these gloves or this $2? And every time right now, I'm like, give me the two bucks. I don't even care. It's not even that much money. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Those gloves fucking suck. Throw those gloves out. Give me the money. And so I'm close. Like it's the main story quest is starting to catch up to me. I mean, the thing that happened is I I cut to two months later. I know. I'm so close. I feel it. I feel it. I'm two expansions in. I'm going around the corner. (laughs) No, listen, if I get to the first expansion, and I am not if by the time I hit the end of a realm reborn I'm not bought in I'm done yeah I know I already bought those expansions I, yeah, I don't believe you I don't, I don't believe you no Austin's being like guys I did it I beat the raid boss and I successfully converted the savage beast peoples uh, to the true faith well the thing is the near automata stuff is coming and yeah. you have to have beaten the most recent expansion all the way to play that stuff right Dang that's it. this is why whatever you're saying is horseshit uh huh when, wait, when what does that drop? We've got a date on the Nier Automata stuff? Yeah, it's soon. Uh, right? Rob? Yeah, Yoko, Tar- Yoko Taro wrote a whole, uh, not expansion, but like there's it's a race. Yeah, some but, amount uh, like, of stuff. Uh-huh. Are we saying, uh, like... How long would it take to get from in that? In the anth- anthology style, like, ah, there's there's some Nier Automata type themes from, or is it... No, 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 dude. Nier Automata is here. Nier Automata is here. Like, yo, that's 2B. It's called your it's called your hot Dark Apocalypse. Like, it's the, it's, it is very goofy. So it would fall onto that, it's one of those that, uh, side things that falls into that giant spreadsheet of things that are technically all related to Nier, even if they're not the Nier oh, games. Oh, the musical oh, I guess I'm, yeah, I wonder if the musical's involved. Or I wonder if, sorry, I wonder if this is as, as canon right, as, the, as musical the musical or the novel that never got translated or yeah. whatever, you know? Oh. I mean, if Yoko Taro's directly involved, I would assume so. <laughs> you ever think about Nier Automata and be like, yo. I never finished that game. There ru- I really need rumors. to finish that game. What? What are you... <laughs> okay, sure. Kato, yeah. you would like that game. I know. Where that game goes. I oh. know. And, and that game actually makes it like very easy to just like plow, like put it on easy, put on some boost. Oh, like, you don't you get a shirt for finishing turn. it, do you? <laughs> they, you should. You fucking you should. should. <laughs> if you finish, if you get more than 10 endings, just slowly, the traditional six or whatever, plus bonus ones, right. you should get a shirt. I finished near Automata and all we got was this existential depression. <laughs> sure. I don't need near for that. Uh, all right. We That's should true. take a break <laughs> and then we should talk about existential shit, which is to say the news this week. Ugh. We will be right back.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. We're back. I realized I went to break without briefly talking about the one other game I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Fuck, because I got so worked up. Uh, John Wick Hex is out. I don't know, Kato, uh, you yes. put time you put time into this? Yeah. Like, what did you think? A little bit. Uh, it's huh, it's not Can as... Can you set up what it is? Yeah, we should set up what it is. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... Um, how to describe it other than like a grid-based... Um, what's the word? Frozen synapse is kind of what I think of it I'm as... I'm glad you said frozen synapse before I did. Yeah. I was like, oh, am I going to say the one who fucking says frozen <laughs> synapse? It is... So you're playing as John Wick... Yeah. Uh, it is a tactics game in which you control John Wick's movements. You can click to uh, move John, to put him into a crouch mode, to fire your gun, throw your gun, and then do a couple of melee things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a strike, a push, like you grab someone, push them, and you walk with them, uh, or a takedown where you kind of flip them and move your position. Yeah. Um, uh, you there's also one last thing, which is to refocus. Refocus, use a bandage, reload your gun, right. uh, and roll if you're kneeling. If you're crouched, yeah. Um, which, which, all of, putting all of those things together, uh, when you when you do any of them, they appear at the top of the screen on a timeline that runs from left to right. Also up there are the actions of any enemy who you are aware of. Mm-hmm. So if there's an enemy who's walking, it will show on the top the their like the length it will take for them to do that walk and then if they're going to shoot you it'll show on the timeline when they will start shooting this is probably why you make the comparison to frozen synapse is yeah. why i would too it's yes. like oh okay this is about like planning against what your enemy is going to do in real in something like not real time but like th- there are seconds on the screen right. like it is it is turn based uh, in that like there are kind of ticks of the clock that you're yeah, it like stuck you'll, to. and you'll stop when either you, you an action you're taking is interrupted. You notice someone new, right? Or uh, your action is completed, right? So if you sh- if you hit shoot, you go shoot shoot, and then it time freezes, and you can do something else. Yeah. If you turn a corner and you see someone, the time freezes. If you go tell John to walk down an alleyway that splits into T junction, and there's someone that he sees when he turns, like okay, it stops and lets you lets you continue. Um, how how far in are you? Not very far. Okay. I think I'm still I'm at the end of the first level, and like the levels are kind of um, <clears throat> segmented into different like scenes, essentially. Right. Uh, <laughs> some of them with their own like narration from this. Uh, the the two I forget their names, but the two like characters that um, from the movies, the one that Lance Riddick plays, and the other guy, the, uh, like, uh, the guy uh, who's who? like the head of the hotel. How much Swearingen? Yeah, and, uh, Ian McShane. Uh, Ian McShane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. Swearingen and Daniels, and now Troy Baker doing his best Willem <laughs> Dafoe impression. Yeah. Uh, if you ever wanted to hear hear Troy Baker do a Willem Dafoe, like I, it's it's 
not yeah. bad. It ain't yeah. bad. Um, uh, but yeah, it is. It is uh, Daniels and and Swearingen. They're there, uh, and they're like solid. Um, and they're narrating about basically a a, uh, a prelude to the John Wick movies, uh, in which the Troy Baker character Hex has seemingly uh, tried to make a play. Uh, inside of the world of the John Wick universe, mm-hmm. make a play for power yeah. that puts him at odds against the. Um, <laughs> when the when other you paused on make a play, I thought like he's putting on a production oh, that was of so good. live theater, and he has to be stopped. He must be stopped. John Wick, get him. The first rule of the assassin world is you don't do an off off Broadway play <laughs> about assassin world. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would go see Assassin World. If they did a John Wick musical <laughs> called, Assassin called Assassin World, World, that might be good, actually. Just Keanu can do whatever he wants right now. Yeah. Just the yeah. lobby of the Continental. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Oh, it's a side story. It's not even about John. Like, the John Wick character, it's like the Iceman cometh does not enter the screen <laughs> until act three. It's just like the, lo- it's yes. the people in the Continental Hotel lobby, the people who move in and out. Um... God, Hotel Artemis could have been that, and it just wasn't. It's all right, movie. Anyway, um, in John Wick Hex, it is because it's like a, a single character tactics game. The thing that it's going for is like high density of interesting decisions. Um, you know, imagine a tactics game where it, you only have imagine Final Fantasy Tactics, or imagine Fire Emblem, or imagine you know any of these games, Frozen Synapse, where all you have is one character, and to make that one character gameplay really interesting, you have to always be like, okay, what should I be doing? Right. Um, and so if like you have a person walking towards you down, you turn a corner, you see a guy at the end of the alleyway. What do you do? And on paper, I think the way the, the game, the, the, the game wants to hit you. And I think for me, the first level of playing at the first full like chapter, I'm now two chapters in, mm-hmm. I had a lot of these where I was like, okay, there's a guy at the end of the alleyway. Do I shoot him? But if I shoot him, it burns ammo. And if I burn all my ammo, then I have to pick up a new gun. Okay. So maybe I like try to charge him. But if I try to walk towards him, he might pull out his gun and shoot at me. In fact, I can see he's going to shoot at me. Okay. Well, maybe I like duck, literally duck behind this dumpster, wait for him to approach and then stand up or like even from a crouch, I think, do a melee attack, a takedown that takes him down. But if I do a takedown, it'll burn my focus. And if I burn my focus, then it's going to be harder for me to dodge out of the way from other incoming attacks. Um, and you're supposed to be doing all this like tight calculus. But now two levels in, I will say that I'm mostly not doing that calculus. Um, I, I hit this like – so I'm now through the first two chapters and the boss fight of the second chapter, which interestingly is not the end of the second chapter. I like that quite a bit. Mm. It's right in the middle. It's like you fight the boss of chapter two. Uh, who is – bosses are hard to shoot is one of the rules they introduce. It's hard to just shoot them from a distance. So you have to melee them to lower their like this other bar that they have called focus mm. uh, until they could be shot a bunch. Um, and in the first fight against one of those guys, it was like pretty dynamic and like I like, did a takedown on one guy and then I like, you know, knocked another guy out and I threw my gun. And I picked up the, uh, the gun from the guy I knocked out and then I, you know, ran up and I, you know, did a takedown on the boss and then I shot him while he was on the ground or whatever. I was like, all right, that's some John Wick shit. Mm-hmm. By the time I get to the second boss my play style had become so conservative 
that I was literally waiting by spawn points for enemies to come out so I could do a takedown and wait for another one to come out so I could do a takedown. And then one would come out from another spawn point. I'd hit shoot, shoot. Then another one would come out and I'd do a takedown. I walked between each of these spawn points to clear them out entirely. Mm. And I waited for the boss. I opened the door to the boss. I killed the one guy with the boss. I retreated. I took care of all the ads. And then I went to the boss, threw him on the ground, and then hit, like, the weakest melee strike three times in a row to get rid of all of his focus, and then hit shoot four times in a row. And it was like, none of this feels good. Like, this is now just, I'm just gaming the system in a way that does not look or feel like the John Wick model. Um, And that's a bummer to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think even even early on, it, it it didn't quite. So you can do this thing where you can rewatch your yeah. <laughs> you can rewatch your entire like the section that you just played uh, in one like go like yeah, it records like, it along the way yeah yeah um and it 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 like it looks silly a lot of the times yeah. it, it like it's like trying for the the, the kind of density and action that those movies have but it never quite actually hits it um and i feel like part of that part of that for me feels like it's all is it's this like grid system that they're on where it's like uh your your movement and stuff is all based on like little pips and on the ground that Mm -hmm. you can see and none of them it did like you don't flow through the space in a very natural way a lot of times they're doing weird zigzags yeah it, it's hex down. based there's no when you say grid based like i want to be clear it is not it is not a a grid sure, in a traditional yeah. sense the it's hex based which means you do have to take these like angled pathways yeah you're kind of always serpentine <laughs> yeah um and it just yeah it, like something about that style never really felt in line with the kind of smoothness of action that you like imagine from those fight scenes and stuff from the movies and it didn't also like. I don't know. It felt like there were a few uh, too many options that didn't feel like distinct enough to try. Like I, I, I could never quite. Um, the like the difference between like the melee. There was stuff. there was one thing. Yeah, the melee stuff feels like like when I there was this thing where like I assumed push would allow me to push someone into someone else, nope. right? The sort of interaction that you could imagine happening in one of those, like you use one someone right. as a body shield. And into the breach in order, style push. Yeah, like yeah. things that, like, you expect to be able to have the enemies interact with each other more than mm-hmm. you actually can. Like, I tried to do a takedown where I threw someone into someone else. It's like, no, you can't. That's not what... Also, sometimes <laughs> your move will just be interrupted without really being clear why it was interrupted like that. Like, right. plenty of times I was like, I'm gonna do a takedown. And then no, uh, no, it it stopped, and now I have to put in a new a new command. Right. Um. I will say right after that second boss that I had such a like a miserable like not super interesting time with, then level immediately after that introduced new enemy types and a new gun type, hmm. and was like as as far as like level layout goes, really interesting and mm. like immediately I was like oh this if every level could feel like this this kind of escape level maybe it was the last level in that sequence, mm-hmm. um but it was like a, a kind of a garage ended with like a garage that was filled with like like a small garage filled with like cars and crates and barrels and stuff and then like kind of a, a section beyond that and uh, or before that 
And the move from the first of those sections to the second, dealing with this like martial artist who was like a way tougher melee fighter, picking up like a, an Uzi basically, the way that those things interacted was actually really good mm-hmm. and did make me think I had a lot more options to play with. But I still could not quite help but think, I mean, this is the most me thing, is like this is a pretty linear uh, tactics game that is trying to do one thing pretty well versus something like Frozen Synapse 2, a game that is trying to do way too much probably for its own good, <laughs> that is like really biting off as much as you could possibly chew. And for me, moment to moment was actually creating that sort sort of cinematic uh, combat stuff that I really loved, despite not having all these little intricate options for like, do you want to do a, a takedown? Like there's no, a, a character in Frozen Synapse 2 has one weapon right. and that's what they have. And that's right. the one thing they do. They don't even, they, you can't even throw a punch if you're in punching distance. And yet those, those encounters have had a certain uh, John Wick quality to them or that style of like gunfight um, somehow. I should play more Frozen Synapse. Seems good. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Uh, uh, oh, one quick shout out. As yes, long as we're just doing, please. I wanna, I've been playing a lot more uh, Grindstone. Uh, technically in a fever state, but um, uh, an interesting thing about that game that I'm a little frustrated with, and I'm curious if this will be something that gets uh, addressed in a, in a patch or uh, is just indicative of like the launch games for Apple Arcade. But I get the sense that there were a bunch of games that were already going to the App Store that just sort of got picked up and brought to Apple Arcade because there are like elements of Grindstone and and other games that I've played part of Apple Arcade where you see very clearly where the monetization would have existed. Mm. Like very specifically in Grindstone, it's um, you have special items that allow you to do things like uh, jump from to any tile on the map, which is like incredibly useful if like you have a a bad pattern in front of you um, that you're trying to weave through Um, or just health, right? So if you die on... A uh, particular stage, um, you, you there's no punishment except that you come back with one piece of health. You can have up to three, and it costs you ten of like the main gem currency. But there doesn't seem to be like any reason to charge you anything to just like have three hearts. Like all it means is that like if you butt up against a difficult stage, then you suddenly need to go spend time grinding on older stages that don't get you anything right. other than just grinding and it feels like that is a like a uh like a vestitude of like a, a game that was otherwise going to charge you for like i can't say this with certainty but i find myself like continually frustrated where i'm not like i haven't run into a moment where i do need to go back and grind but like i do find myself hesitating where sometimes i'm like well maybe i can do this on just one health maybe i can do this on two health and it's possible that is what the game the balance of the game is going for but it seems more likely in my mind that it was originally going to make you shell out for that sort of thing. Or a timer um, or something. That or a was timer, like some, some sort of mechanism that, that would have been built in. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, come back tomorrow and you'll get a free, you know, three hearts um, or you can just, you know, pay a dollar. I mean, I, <laughs> I have no idea. But um, it is one of the things that, like, it, it comes across as frustrating in a game that um, doesn't necessarily need things like that. So just an interesting observation that I've noticed in a couple of games where uh, you can sort of see the markings of – like, even if it, they changed midstream, you know, months ago, it's like, well, once a game is built a certain way, it's probably difficult to sort of, like, undo all that stuff if it's on some level fundamental. But I wish I could put on, like, an easy mode that's, like, doesn't change the difficulty of the game. It's just like, look, I don't want to just refill my health when I die and just, like, let me take a crack at the puzzle. Like, yeah. But Grindstone remains very good. Yeah. Rob, by the way, I just wanted to check in. You did not end up putting more time into Warsaw, right? After we talked about uh, it. I did a oh, little okay. bit. 
I also did. Yeah. I'm curious if you're still in the same place with that game, which was just to reiterate, I was like, wow, it's really fucking hard. Uh, I started to get on a little better with it. Um, one of the interesting things, I think they changed something. So what what I had played uh, before, when, well, the first time we talked about it, mm -hmm. you were launched from the tutorial into the main campaign. And the damage carried over from the tutorial into the main campaign. Mm. When I restarted, they make you go through the quick tutorial combat, but everyone emerged into the main campaign at full health. Right. Uh, and that made a huge difference yeah. because rather than having to do the first mission with everyone down by about half or a third of their hit points, uh, suddenly I was able to field a team that was fully healthy. And then the sort of... Uh, economy of health and resources began to make a lot more sense than it did in the in the in the pre-release version we played it is still a really tough game uh i i think there's something they've done that's a there, there's a very weird thing about war so i'm curious what you make of this you have two classes of characters in Warsaw, yeah. you have your named characters who are like the main player character uh, personalities with backstories, etc., that have a bunch of abilities and gain an experience and skills and can be customized uh, throughout the campaign. And then you have uh, generic like resistance members who are much more like what you encountered in Darkest Dungeon. But it's this weird thing that Warsaw is consistently doing, which is being like Darkest Dungeon, <laughs> but also almost needlessly different or different for difference's sake. So the weird thing is the named player characters can be developed and they can have skills swapped in and out the way you could with uh, Darkest Dungeon characters, but they're not generic, and they're not infinitely replaceable the way that characters were in Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. The generic, infinitely replaceable characters in Warsaw don't develop. You can't swap their skills in and out of their toolset permission, and so you end up having these... You end up having a campaign where you're going to have to field these red shirts and possibly extensive <laughs> rosters of red oh, shirts. Yeah. But then they're not but then there's no XP. You can't develop them. They're not going to become more powerful. So any mission where you don't have it mostly comprised of named characters, you're basically wasting an XP opportunity and you need to develop these characters. You also need the flexibility they provide. And so it's I'm I'm in a weird place with it because it does generate a lot of tense missions. I am having a lot of like pins and needles uh, types runs through the the city of Warsaw as as I try to complete a mission, but maybe avoid optional combat if I possibly can because I just I've gotten the XP I need. I cannot take any more damage. Totally, that's kind of cool, but also. I just question these trade-offs that have been, been imposed on me. Yeah, I, I, I'm in a pretty similar spot. I think I'm – I turned a corner with it and started really enjoying it when I got my second new main named character. You start the game with three. You start with like a medic, a sharpshooter, and like a heavy machine gunner basically. 
Um, uh, I guess the, the sharpshooter I'm saying is not actually a sharpshooter. He's like a, just like a, a rifleman. Um, and then, yeah, you, you immediately start supplementing them with random characters. Um, and it was really tough going for me at first too. But when I got my second and or I got my, I guess my fourth and fifth named characters, the economy started to make sense to me. I'm pretty consistently doing a thing where I send out two named units or two hero units to officers. Yeah. I don't know how we want to talk about these characters that do level up and then two like recruits who will never ever, like you said, progress in any meaningful way, but can provide a healing, you know, a, a healing ability if your medic is not available for you this mission because because she's hurt. Um, uh, and I, I think I genuinely, I think I, I have had positive a positive relationship with what that does to the economy and with that what that does to uh, needing to cycle your your hero characters in and out. Um, there have been missions where I've been like, fuck. I could send three like recruits uh, and and one hero, but I could or I could send two heroes and and but one of them is going to be beat up. Let me take the risk and send the beat up one. And like I've done that and taken that risk, and it's turned out, you know, to be a nail biter. Um, and and not a not in a, a bad like it's been a good that tension has worked for me. But I I do think a lot about the way this game abstracts a lot of stuff from the darkest dungeon model. Like it's clear that. Um, this game does not have like the sort of like um, itemization of Darkest Dungeon, which was this like really complex thing with small bonuses coming from uh, uh, special items you picked up from the loot. Um, it doesn't have anything like the like the upgrade system for your base itself. Darkest Dungeon had that as like a core element was you're upgrading your base. And so it ends up like finding ways to not cut corners, but f try to focus in on just basically do the missions keep the morale up on the places in Warsaw, the various districts and keep yourself like focused on that, that, that core economy of, do you have enough resources? Like I run out of bullets in this game, which is wild. Yep. There've been a couple of missions where I've been like, I'm out of fucking rifle rounds. Yeah, How do I get but, through this? And I, I, I have genuinely liked that those moments. Cause what I end up doing is like, relying on those recruits who maybe they have a pistol instead of a rifle. It's like, I got all this pistol ammo or I hadn't realized this. My, did you get the sniper? The like woman with the hoodie? No. Oh my God, dude. She is in, so she has like a submachine gun, which uses light pistol rounds. And then she has an ability called snipe. She has two incredible, like completely game-changing abilities that do feel like distinctly different from anything in Darkest Dungeon and feel like really clever. Um, she has an ability called Snipe, which she can use on any enemy with the frontline tag. So that's like enemy grunts yeah. or dogs or whatever. The the like the rifleman has an ability that's similar. That's like passive uh, bonus damage to enemies with frontline. Snipe says, "Kill an enemy frontline unit." Takes two stamina to use. Kill. So I'm like opening missions up, Rob. I'm just like, "Yo, handle this." Bop. Done. And like she's incredible at that. Her other ability, Rob, her other ability is called it's like catch off guard or it's something like, oh, it's it's not mop up, but something like that. Something like mop up. And it gives her three charges of a thing of a of a of a buff uh that says if an enemy who is under 20% health acts, kill them. And it's incredible because they get to do their I act they get to like throw their grenade or like do their like rallying cry or whatever but like guess what that nazi is dead 
Um, and as far as like games in which you get to kill Nazis go, it feels very good to kill these Nazis. They've done a good job of making me like invested in trying to protect this place that I know has gone through some fucking shit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I've come around on it. I need to put more time into it for sure. Um, but I want to now. Whereas last time it was like right on the edge of like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. Do I want to suffer? Yeah, I think the thing keeping me at arm's length from it is mostly that each time I go out, it's doing the this is going to be very stressful. (laughs) Yes. uh, Type thing. There's no milk run. There's no cakewalk. Yeah. uh, Have you used ploy at all? I forget what that even does. That's the one that takes away an enemy activation. Oh, yes. I uh, One of my recruits has it, and late in a mission, late in a fight, it's super useful to keep them from doing yeah. anything and let you just whittle them down. But, like, they need those yeah, things because just... otherwise it's, a, it's like a really long Darkest Dungeon fight, and Darkest Dungeon fights are already really long. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This sounds well, like we yeah, should it, both it, keep playing this game, that maybe this game is actually has some stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I wish, to your point about ammo, I wish it were easier to track ammunition. There's just something about the way it's presented. I ran out of rifle rounds at one point, and I just, it's not visually distinct enough which pile of ammunition you're drawing from. Mm -hmm. And then the icon in your inventory is different from the tooltip icon Uh, for the power you're activating. So I had just a nightmare battle where, like, I ran out of rifle. uh, It's called long Long, uh, ammunition. yeah, Yeah. I ran out of it because uh, my dude had to keep using the three bullet activation rather than the single shot mm-hmm. uh, because he needed to be picking off people. Like I was using that ability basically to target uh, enemies in any row that I wanted. And I just ran through all that ammunition and I hadn't been remotely cognizant of how quickly I was burning through it because I looked at my inventory and at a glance, there was a big pile of ammunition, but it was increasingly just, uh, pistol bullets and it wasn't uh, it, it wasn't the rifle ammunition and so I had a really frustrating mission that I had to basically like kill off this German squad by using my two crappiest recruits pistols uh-huh. uh, and like just have them go to the front get wrecked uh, by these Germans my medic is like frantically like healing them every single turn while they chip these dudes down from like 60 70 hit points <sighs> down to zero using pistol shots that are doing like 10 if they yeah, hit if they hit which if they frequently hit. they don't yeah, yeah i've had that fight and that fight that type of fight is just like a drag anyway we i'm gonna keep putting time into it the hearing that you also turned a corner with it gives me hope that this is not just like i had a good session but maybe there yeah. is like keep digging at it all right it seems like it's been a pretty newsy week uh <laughs> all said where, where do you want to start you want to start with the easy thing ps5 2020 yeah, let's do the easy thing first. All right. Patrick, PlayStation 5 is coming. Another Wired uh, article, yeah. right? Is that... Is that... <laughs> yes. Uh, for whatever... Uh, well, I guess there was actually this time a PlayStation blog. blog. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. um, but there was a Wired article in which the same author um, who had an interview with Mark Cerny some months back um, that doled out a couple of the first details about what we you know, assumed to be and now know to be called the PlayStation 5. Um, yeah, they confirmed what we expected, everything that we heard behind the scenes that is the same with, um, you know, the new Xbox is that it's it's coming next holiday. Um, sort of like the, the high-level stuff um, <laughs> that is new is uh, 
for some reason they won't just call it the DualShock Five. They're saying it's our new controller. It's a, it's, it's you know we don't we haven't called it anything yet. Um, it's and the author is basically like it just looks like a DualShock Four, mm. but they won't tell me what the name is. And the the main difference in the controller is it has something called uh, the haptic feedback. So um, the, the notion is that like hey when you're like jumping on a bridge, like the, the the button can give like a certain amount of resistance to reflect what the player is doing. You know, if like you're pulling the trigger on a gun, like it'll feel like, you know, you have to really like pull it down in order to do so. Um, and, the, you know, the, 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 the Wired uh, author was given a couple of uh, demos from uh, that kind of demonstrated that, that, you know, could be neat, I guess. Um, still thinks like the, the main thing that they're hanging their hat on with the PS5 is this uh, like custom SSD that is supposed to, um, as we already knew, cut down on loading times to be basically nil. Um, so the new stuff that they're saying it will open up is games have to be installed um, on the PS5, um, which I'm not super shocked that I won't be shocked if that's just sort of like standard practice yeah. going forward. Um, one of the advantages of that, <coughs> um, supposedly, will be um, you know you can install the single player but not the multiplayer part of a game. So if you're trying to save space which is probably going to be at a premium given that I believe this week we found out that the uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, at least on PC, is going to be 175 gigs to install. It's so Um, big. Which none of that is shocking. It's a shift to next gen where uh, things like, you know, 4K textures, like, you know, embracing a 4K tech is going to just shoot up um, size demands on hard drives. So like that is is going to happen. and one of the things they sort of mentioned that was possible with the PS5 is that it's not clear how this is going to work in the UI, but that you'll be able to, like, look at what's happening in other games without booting them up. Like, the game will be able to, like, keep them in a, a multiple games in some sort of suspension state where you can, like, it's not really clear what that means. Um, maybe that's something that developers will figure out uh, as, you know, these SDKs go out. That, like, weird-looking Star Trek device that people thought maybe was some some bs actually is the ps5 dev kit That's so funny um <laughs> which is cool like it's like it's, it's a it looks more like a bomb than anything else cool. um but uh it's a uh, it's a neat looking piece of uh weird tech um and yeah so yeah holiday 2020 oh and also uh, as a blue point the studio blue that point. has done a number of remasters this is, that, you. You know this what? is the most fuck important the PS5. yeah uh-huh fuck the ps5 I'm with you. because i am now fully invested in the narrative that everything I've heard about the PS5, this is going back full two years now, has been uh, a huge emphasis on history and that it's going to be like the kind, uh, you know, I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out, but it's going to be the sort of thing where it's not just about the future, it's yeah. also about the past. And that means your ability to play lots of those games. Um, and so there has been rumors for ages and rumors more or less people just trying to project something they want into the world which are the demon <laughs> souls a game that has only ever been released on the ps3 although if you play through emulators you can play it at 60 fps it looks good like it's it's come a long way in terms of that stuff and it, like um but the blue point has said that like their new game they're working on is the biggest remake they've ever done um and that boy wouldn't it make like I, I pitched to Austin, like in a DM, I was like, "Can you just imagine like an opening press conference for Sony where it's like Blue Point in collaboration with From Software? Like the past becomes the future. Like Demon Souls oh in itself, God. like like represents yeah. something that they're trying to accomplish with the PS5. And uh, one thing they clarified in this Wired piece was that the ray tracing is not going to be handled 
on a software level. It'll be handled on the GPU at a hardware level, which means more games will be able to support it. Um, it won't be like a huge hit to frame rate in the way it would be if it was being ha- handled at the software level. So like Demon, the Souls games, games that often have terrific lighting, like a, and Demon Souls specifically has some really atmospheric lighting. Um, like Tower of Latria. Yeah. Like with uh, some ray tracing. So My many, God. so many areas Give in that game me. that would look so good with ray tracing and like built from the ground up for it to be clear. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I would like that to be a thing. I'm curious if from... I'll now be disappointed, even though there is no actual concrete evidence. I am planting my flag to be disappointed if that is not... What are some other things that you I also would... just can't... I can't figure out what the other games would be. What else would uh, Blue Point... Uh, you know, if, it's, if you try to think of like... It would be a Sony first party? Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. I guess. It could yeah, be. Because they own Demon's it's Souls, It's funny because right? I was going to say the other thing, that, the thing that came to mind would be like uh, a Silent Hill... Uh, it would be something that the yeah. developer wouldn't be making now, which Konami is exactly it. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Uh, but that would be – I don't make a Metal Gear Solid remake. I think MGS is too uh, – <sighs> that's even too big in scope for a studio like them. You'd be talking about like redoing voice. I mean like we went, right. we went down this road right. on the GameCube. Right. And it was not necessarily – you know. Um, I'm l- whereas I'm like de- – What else could it be? I don't the know. getaway, like they've done the big ones, right? Like did Shadow of the Colossus, yeah. um, like you know the kinds of games that are like languishing on an older platform. Like Demons is just like the most obvious GTA choice. three through San Andreas or something. But that again feels like it's such a big. Huge, the Rockstar would do that. On, they would, you know, they would want that on every yeah, platform. Absolutely. Like this is going to be. Like, people forget how early, like relatively speaking, Bloodborne came in sort of like the PS4's cycle, and if. Um, you know, part of Sony's commitment on PS5 is going to be, you know, like we love you, hardcore gamers. Like, I mean, you don't get more. Like, Demon Souls was a, a niche release, but you know, that's th- those are straight up blockbusters at this yeah. point. And to come full circle on Demons would be, um, this was just a game that a lot of people haven't played. And I went back and played it prior to, I can't remember if it was before Bloodborne or Dark Souls Three came out, but I went back and played Demons, and it's terrific. Like Tower of Latria is like maybe. I don't maybe the best area in any in any Souls game. Like who's that boss with the giant uh creature in the sky? I forget. Uh that um, that is the the ooh, why am I blanking? It's not the Sky King. That's not a thing. <laughs> no, Fuck. It's like the giant uh, manta ray. Demon we we've talked Souls. about this. Sky sky boss. Uh, sky King's uh, from something. Storm Storm, oh, no, Storm Storm King is Dark Souls. No, is it's it Storm King. King? It's Storm yeah. King. I think it's Storm King. Yeah, okay. Um, but there's someone in Dark Souls 3, 3 who's also a king yeah yes. that fight you use the same weapon you use uh, the storm ruler the like giant sword that goes like yes. that's a demon souls reference in Dark Souls 3 uh-huh. yeah fun yeah uh huh <laughs> they should make that. there are areas in, in demon you souls you know what don't rebalance that game let magic continue to like <laughs> to be, part of I streamed that game God. people were so mad at me that I decided I'd never done magic in souls before and so my thought was I'm going to do a magic build because I mostly just want to experience Demon's Souls. Oh, you Souls already played Dark Souls by then. This is what you're, okay, yeah, gotcha, I played Dark gotcha, Souls, gotcha. Bloodborne, Dark Souls oh, 2. Oh, okay. And just Demon's Souls was – and so I was like, I'm going to do a magic build. And people were like, ugh, magic is broken in Souls to begin with and it's especially broken <laughs> in Demon's Souls, which is true. Uh-huh. Like it, you, you could just like walk through the game going boop, boop, boop. <laughs> just kind of like true. make your way through. So I'll be, I'll be curious like what the – you know, I know with Shadow of the Colossus, they did some around the edges tweaking in collaboration um, with this designer. I, you know, I, I'm i torn on whether what I would like them to do is go in and just like do an, 
a, a visual revamp or would it be work with Miyazaki and do like a Demon Souls 2.0? Like I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm more inclined to think they would just do a straight uh, visual remaster I, and not. I've spent the last like and not futz with the balance. Ten minutes. I spent the last ten minutes looking at other games that it could be looking at best of lists. And the thing that I'm running into is mm-hmm. just like on the design front, most of this doesn't hold up. Like no one should make remake Twisted Metal one. No one should remake right. just like yeah, we just did Tomb Raider one again. Because that they what we've learned is you have to remake the game. You have to yeah. redesign the game. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's the same. Or characters. just accept it for what it is. Like it's it's yeah. not a tentpole thing, right. right? Like you don't in a in an article announcing the PlayStation Five, like you're you're by pairing it with that, you're setting expectations right. to a certain floor, and like just a lot of those games don't. Yeah, the stuff that makes sense you know, for me of, is like RPGs. Uh, you know, action yep. RPGs like Demon Souls, regular RPGs, Final Fantasy Tactics, or Legend of Dragoon. Legend of Dragoon, for instance. <laughs> oh, uh, Vagrant Story, for instance. Uh, anyway, we'll see. I, I now I'm excited for this to be at E3 2020. Sony is Sony still going to be at E3 2020? Who could say? <laughs> I do. I don't. I don't know. I have no. I mean, look, they announced PS5 with a tweet. It's true. Mm. Like, we live in a different we world. <laughs> I mean, I know there was a Wired article, but, I mean, this is, uh, you know, usually these are big press conferences, and this was a tweet, so. Wait, did they do the thing again? They tweeted it out. Did they tweet, did they tweet like they tweeted last time? What did they do last time? It, the the tweet for the, was it PS3 or PS4? PS4 is like, that's right, PlayStation 4. And, like, that's the whole tweet. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I mean, at this point, I think we know. we Too many people just knew in their heart they weren't going to do anything weird. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, PS5 2020, as expected. Uh, second yeah. news story this week. Uh, ongoing big weird news story. Uh, lots of different angles to cover. Uh, on Monday, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to stay in my lane. I don't want to talk too much about the stuff that's going on in Hong Kong right now. I forget why it even came up. Why did it even come up? The NBA the stuff. NBA this, is stuff. Pri- this is prior right. to, I believe when we um, recorded, Yes. the reason it came up was because you I referenced- checked to Twitter and it was like, it looked like James Harden was in a hostage video um, <laughs> explaining why he couldn't like talk about anything but basketball. Yes. Sports. And I was like, here's this is a complex situation, more complex than is often, uh, uh, you know, talked about uh, on, in media. Um, but also... You know, it hasn't hit our hit our world yet, so we don't really need to to dig into it. Boy, what a week it has been. <laughs> Patrick, I'm looking at the front page here. I went to waypoint.vice.com. Activision Blizzard suspends Hearthstone Pro Player for supporting Hong Kong protests. Mm-hmm. Popular Hearthstone commentator says he'll no longer work with Blizzard. Uh, we talked to Hearthstone Pro players uh, who are quitting the game in protest. So many news stories here about this that I don't – I think I don't have them all on the same screen. Um. Uh, Blizzard's Hong uh, Kong scope yeah. uh, is officially an international incident. Can you give me the rundown? Can you give us the, the rundown here on on what kicked yeah, off? Yeah, I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll re- yeah, I'll read from uh, you know I've been doing a lot of this reporting in, in collaboration with Matthew Galt. Shout um, out from his uh, story. Yeah, yeah, and no, he's been doing really really good work this week um, uh, as we've been kind of tag teaming this. And so this is from his piece from a couple of days back. <clears throat> Uh, Activision Blizzard suspended Hearthstone Pro uh, Blitzchung on Tuesday after he spoke up in support of protests in Hong Kong during a post-match interview during Hearthstone's Asia-Pacific Grandmaster Tournament on October 6th. Two days later, on October 8th, Activision Blizzard suspended him from competing in Hearthstone esports tournaments for a year, rescinded his $3,000 in winnings from the tournament, and fired the two people who interviewed him. Um, Side note on that, like, when 
uh, uh, Blitzchung's protest occurred, which I'll elaborate on in a second, the two um, casters uh, ducked under their table as this occurred, knowing you know that what was happening was probably going to be uh, something that blew up. Um, uh, each year, Hearthstone's best players compete in regional tournaments that narrow the field to 48 grandmasters. After the regionals, the grandmasters pay for a fi- play for a $500,000 prize pool. Uh, after winning a match in the Asia-Pacific regional, um, a Blitzchung streamed a post-victory uh, interview while wearing ski goggles and a gas mask, a look often worn by protesters in Hong Kong to mitigate the effects of tear gas. Uh, quote, liberate Hong Kong, revolution of our time, uh, Blitzchung said on the stream, a phrase that's become a rallying cry for protesters in Hong Kong. Um and since then, uh, Blizzard has not said anything beyond the uh, suspension and the rescinding of earnings. Um, as far as I know, uh, based on folks that I've talked to at Blizzard, there has not been an internal messaging over this. There has been some brief, uh, relatively minor in the grand scheme of things, protests at Blizzard, mostly centered around people hanging out around this uh, statue of an orc that is at their Irvine, California offices that has a bunch of... Uh, now sort of uh, phrases that have a sense of uh, irony because they say things like, uh, let me pull up um, some of the phrases from this other piece. Uh, Gameplay first, think globally, and every voice matters. Um, And I wrote a piece, uh, one of them that uh, you you mentioned there was about the the most, uh, Blizzard sort of went silent as this all continued to blow up. the first official piece of business that was Blizzard related was a Hearthstone collegiate tournament um, in which uh, American University, a team based out of, I believe, Washington, D.C., these three 19-year-olds um, realized they had a moment in which they could say something. Um, they could participate in uh, what was uh, happening here. And so uh, when I spoke to them yesterday, they said uh, one, they prepared to they were prepared to say something if they won, but also realized they needed to prepare something if they uh. if they lost, which they ended up losing. And so as they were losing, um, they uh, held up a, a self-made sign called uh, Free Hong Kong uh, Boycott Blizz. Um, and then all of them sort of declared absent uh, some sort of like major mea culpa <clears throat> from uh, Blizzard that they were going to uh, drop a game that had been a significant part of their lives. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where all things sort of stand right now, absent all sorts of the other tangents, you know, Tim Sweeney, blah, blah, yeah. blah. We can get into yeah. that as we go along. But, um, uh, you know, that, that's the that's the thrust of it of where we're, where we're at the moment. Yeah, which, which, you know, again, broader context includes things like, Apple pulling a uh, an app that was letting Hong Kong protesters track police presence. Like it is not. I think they also took a Tibetan flag from like the emoji. I believe it was the Taiwanese flag. I, I, maybe it was both. Taiwanese but, flag. Okay. but the thing that I'd read was, Ty- was the Taiwan yeah. flag. Um, uh, and I do want to say I want to just preface everything that we say, which is like though we've all done reading on this, none of us are experts in this space, and so mm-hmm. like please recognize that what we're doing is doing our best with with the knowledge that we have. Um, this stuff has been really interesting to see and it's really hard. It's very onion. Like there's lots of layers here because what I see is a lot of people upset over really important things to be upset about. Like I've said this before, I think self-determination is one of the most important things. When you look at like the, the demands, the specific demands that the Hong Kong protesters have about specifically about things like this, uh, extradition law, but also the, the, uh, moves towards, um, you know, real sovereignty and, and real, you know, full suffrage and stuff like that. There is, those are demands that I think most of us would support in our own lives if we felt that they were threatened. 
Um, why I say it's onion-like is that often what we see is the ways in which the people who are like rah, 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 fuck China are also the, some of the people who are like rah, 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 fuck Colin Kaepernick or rah, 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 like I'm totally happy with these same similar sorts of uh, getting rid of the Voting Rights Act, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. And and so you end up needing- The Marco Rubios the, of the world. The Marco Rubios, specifically the Marco Rubios of the world. Specifically the right. Marco, because there were two senators, Ron Wyden yes. and Marco Rubio, that uh, spoke out on this. And I mean, it is not necessarily just that the left or Democrats are uh, excluded from doing sort of scare tactics when it, re- it re- regards to China that suits their own means. But folks like Marco Rubio specifically- you should look at with deep cynicism when yes. they say this I2 pounce on a story like this because it fits a larger, broader narrative in which they're uh, pushing a certain agenda towards China that it does not necessarily line up with things they otherwise, if that's what they believed, they would be backing certain things in America and other places. They absolutely are not because it fits into a broader ideology. Rob, you had something else here. Well, this is one of the things that begins to make – there's the issue you're discussing, but then just the act of having that discussion raises issues around what gets discussed and what doesn't, how things are discussed, what what we prioritize in terms of the attention we pay to different issues. I think one of the things this really exposes, or at least it underlines, is that there is – a great deal of instrumentalization yes. uh, of human rights concerns and liberal and democracy when it serves more when it, when it, when it serves uh, geopolitical interests uh, of, of the state. And so I think one of the things that is really clear as the, as we see the discussion around this issue, is that it is hard to trust that people discussing the Hong Kong protests are doing so in good faith or are doing so from a place of having a broader context than the fact that this is now a front page news story that is temporarily front of mind. And so I think it gets really messy in that it's it's very easy to look at the way this is being covered yeah. and the attention being paid to it by CEO types, by executive types, by uh, by news media, and the concern uh, over the the crackdown on Hong Kong protesters. It is very easy to be cynical about that because obviously, like, who does it serve to portray China? Uh, as a violent, repressive power. It doesn't just serve pro-democracy advocates. It also serves the interests of people who want a more confrontational foreign policy, who want a more imperialist policy in East Asia. And so it is difficult to take in good faith a lot of the people who suddenly are saying, ah, well, look at Look at Hong Kong. Uh, we we must we must stand up for the for for the for the rights of the protesters in Hong Kong. When a lot of those same voices uh, absolutely have participated in human human rights abuses uh, in other places in other contexts, and if they haven't, 
a lot of the people who for whom this issue has become somewhat pressing or somewhat notable, but who don't generally pay much attention to international news, a lot of those people, it's not necessarily folks like that are acting in bad faith, but there is it is easy to be concerned. And I think this is this is fairly just uh, to say that they are being very reactive to a framing being put around this issue uh, that doesn't necessarily provide a great deal of context, both over that issue, but also where else human rights abuses, where else anti-democratic movements might be underway. For me, a thing that I keep coming back to in line with that is like, where do we, who do we expect to hold accountable? When do we expect uh, our leaders, uh, both uh, in, in, uh, politics and in business and everywhere else um, to intervene um, and how consistent do we expect them to be? Uh, I, I bring this up because we're in the middle of similar protests in Ecuador right now uh, over austerity measures being being uh, uh, pursued by a neoliberal government uh, with regard to fuel pricing. Um, and And I don't expect everyone to be you know, at the top of their their global uh, politics game, the, the 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 state of the world is vast, and and I don't expect everyone to be like on top of everything. But this is a similar protest that gains very little uh, nas- international coverage, and it is hard not to fall into the set of. Crit- it's not hard to. I think it's worth taking a step back and saying, okay, well, what draws our eyes to Hong Kong versus Ecuador? Um, which is also or who drew your eyes exactly there. I, specifically the, the Ecuadorian protests are being led by indigenous groups also right like these are people who maybe don't have access to the levers of power who don't have great uh, PR firms behind their backs who don't literally have outside funding from Western neoliberal democracies supporting their their protests none of which undermines the fact that I think that it is just to criticize China for human rights abuses um, and this is the, like the dilemma that you're in if you are for instance on the left and online is like how do I find a degree of consistency support movements that I think are genuine uh, while also being concerned about the ways in which, uh, there is consent being manufactured for particular types of governance, uh, be concerned and critical about the ways in which global power is being used to kind of uh, make a homogeneous vision of what democracy should look like. Um, and and generally, like, how do you achieve a degree of criticality that is not reactive, like you said, Rob, but active and begins with a questioning and a like, okay, w- what is actually happening here? Can I list what the demands are? There are specific demands of this group. I'm curious if people know what they are. I'm curious if people understand like how you know uh, multifaceted this group is and how you know I've seen lots of people like yeah fuck communism and it's like well there is a degree of that here but what are what is actually inside of the group here like I a specific note there the white the the comment that was it Blitz Chung who was asked what is happening in mm-hmm. Hong Kong and he said white terror um, which if you know nothing. Maybe if you're from the West, you hear white terror, you go like, lol, white people. Um, But white terror is a specific like 40 or 50 year period uh, uh, of anti-communist violence and oppression in Taiwan um, that is now being deployed here in Hong Kong in a different context that's been kind of desituated from that context and resituated here. And 
I'm not saying you necessarily need a PhD in this stuff to start weighing in, but even I who know that, it's like, okay, I don't know enough to begin to do specific analysis that gets me to the point where I can be like, rah, 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 that's it. But I think the the thing that I that I also hesitate over is that there's also a there is an element of hand washing that goes on when we say I don't know enough or this is not my lane because like it's true there there are a lot of contexts and there's a lot of specific history to this. Like, you know, what were the conditions under which uh, British colonial control over Hong Kong was uh, ended and the territory returned to China? Uh, what were, what was the deal that was made? What did uh, people in Hong Kong think they were getting back in 1997? Right. But what we also do know is that, while a great deal of focus on human rights and exporting of freedom and democracy in the West tends to be very self-interested and very much about uh, cloaking more imperial or corporate interests in the language of human rights, uh, at the same time, China is a country that is tending to get more repressive than it has been in recent years or more blatantly repressive. Uh, but we have not even talked about the Uyghur stuff the right Uyghur. now, right? Like we haven't even talked yeah. about it once in this conversation, an ongoing human rights uh, situation in the northwest of China where where uh, ethnic Muslims uh, have been targeted again and again. Um, it is a serious issue that is undercovered. Uh, and for me, it's like, well, it's partially it's undercovered because it complicates it is. It does not fit super cleanly into established media molds. Um, but yeah, like I don't want to do the hand washing and the and the curtain pulling and be like, well, let's not look at uh, the stuff that that um, makes our critiques of Western imperialism harder because now we also have to contend with these uh, the uh, oppression from non-Western imperialist states. I, I'm with you. Like, well, I don't think that I, for me the actual takeaway here is that these things are not actually opposed. These things are in league, right? Like the fact that a blizzard or the MBA or Apple is so willing and, and eager to continue working with China, uh, to continue working with America, to continue working you know, with imperial powers worldwide is indicative of what they're in it for, right? Like for me, like the takeaway should be if we ever wanted to have mass action here in the States, do not count on tech companies or sports leagues or, uh, or our game publishers to have our backs, right? If the FBI wants your chat logs from, from a Blizzard game, let me tell you, they're going to get them, right? Like that is, that is open and shut. Uh, and so like that, that is for me, like the, 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 my most important takeaway from this stuff is that we can't necessarily rely on building mass movements through technologies owned by huge corporations that are fundamentally going to be in favor of keeping a status quo where they are in the good graces of any government where they think they have a market, which could be the Chinese uh, market or the American market or the European market, right? Or any market worldwide that is big enough, the Indian market for that matter, right? Like we, we, there's yeah. stuff happening there right now. Anyway. I think where we get really screwed is that all of our discourse, so much of our media, is defined by things that have their roots in post-war liberalism and then sort of the more neoliberal uh, realignment that happened in across the 80s and 90s. But so much of uh, the 
more brutal or hypocritical aspects of uh, just take U.S. foreign policy here for a, for a second. You had to get liberals to buy into that. Like it was to, in order to to wage the Cold War, you couldn't just do it with uh, like right wing reactionaries uh, with sort of what were then traditional Republicans. Uh, you couldn't just do it on their backs alone. You needed liberals to buy in. You needed liberals to uh, reach the inclusion that while there were unfortunate and unsavory things that confronting the communist menace would require. It was indeed a menace and you had to get your hands dirty and you had to do these things. And that war couldn't have been prosecuted without the acquiescence uh, and participation of liberals and liberal media. And what's interesting is as the Soviet Union breaks apart, the, the thing that is proposed in the 90s is that – we can do business with China and China specifically. In Russia, right. there's all about we're going to sell all the public assets into private hands, et cetera, kleptocracy. Uh-huh. But with China, what's really interesting is suddenly uh, you have this, this thing that was sort of parodied throughout the Cold War of two things go in hand, political freedom and economic freedom economic in freedom, the more libertarian exactly. sense. Yeah. If free markets, free people, uh, if, you know, if we just allow people to do business in a capitalist marketplace, freedom and democracy will follow. That is, that is the pattern. Um, and that was kind of the thing that we were, that, that, that a lot of media and a lot of the consensus around China specifically was, <laughs> was pitched towards is this idea that, hey, as we open the Chinese market, we're also going to see beneficial effects from that society opening up uh, and maybe allowing more ideological diversity, more political participation uh, than we necessarily saw uh, under, you know, say Mao during the Cultural Revolution uh, or under Deng around uh, Tiananmen Square. That hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And there was actually no real reason to suspect that it should because corporatism coexists quite happily with fascism, with authoritarianism. Uh, in fact, maybe more happily because people sometimes vote for things that are inconvenient for <laughs> corporations. Whereas if you can just do direct business uh, with, with the government or the government is the business, then things are great. But it makes it really hard to discuss these issues because we still have a media apparatus that is – that shoots things through this lens of really self-interested liberalism and isn't always super self-aware because you you almost you have to do a bit of double think to say no the United States absolutely stands for human rights everywhere and in all places and and human dignity and and democracy you you you're either a schmuck or you've mastered the art of double think where you know that's not true but also in your heart it is true. And I think that makes it tough to discuss because so much of what we consume as media, so much of what we have to look at, uh, so many political figures run everything through that filter and you end up kind of in this hall of mirrors. Mm -hmm. And it gets really frustrating to discuss because everywhere you turn – there's a eh, there's there's an aster- and there's an asterisk here, an elision here, and a mission here, uh, but then that doesn't change the fact 
that there's a there have been some pretty violent crackdowns in Hong Kong uh, against these protesters. There have been a lot of broken promises uh, from mainland China to uh, people in Hong Kong over the past decades. And China is also running massive detention camps and repression mm-hmm. uh, against the Uyghur people. Th- those I, things I, are also true. Which is like, for me, the thing that that you get to there is on this notion of double think. Um, if you if you sat down with the folks running the NBA, if you sat down with Apple, you sit down with Blizzard, you sit down with you know maybe I'm strawmanning this actually, but but let me strawman it for a moment and p- propose that I suspect that if push come to shove, you asked someone in these in these businesses, well, why is it important to work with China? Um, they would peddle something about soft power dressed up, right? Like they would say, well, we think over a long enough time. You know, being part of the marketplace helps spread democratic values. We like to give people the option of choice. We think being part of this culture helps helps to create, uh, you know, a broader global community. Uh, we think the MBA is an important inroad to the people of China for for you know providing uh, a cultural bridge between our peoples. You know, we think that the you know uh, esports is a, is a place that can bring these communities together long term. Again, all that stuff is like soft pedaled, soft power shit, right? Which is like, hey, changing the world. Does doesn't need to be done at the end of a, of a gun. It can be done with culture. It can be done with with kind of like the spread of of uh, a a homogeneous vision of what like entertainment looks like. Um, and yet here they walk that back and say, "But if you're going to be making that culture for us, if you're going to be a player in our league." Uh, or in our e-league, uh, or in in whatever. Like, n- no, you can't. You can't actually. Pro- you can't actually. This promise is the marketplace and the shared culture will make it so that you know in China, China will look more like America. In China, eventually, you will have a wide range freedom of speech. But in order to get there, first of all, shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> like, we can't. Don't ruin this by speaking first. Um, and that is like where the whole thing ends up falling. That whole project, the project of we should work with, uh, we should let business be our leading, our, our guide in bridging these these gaps and in changing the world falls apart because it reveals that underneath it all is a willingness to be deeply hypocritical about that. If the MBA's long-term goal is building bridges and trying to shape, you know, reshape this part of, of China so that it is more like us, if the method to getting there is James Harden has to shut his mouth – or apologize if the if Blizzard's idea is like, well, we think games connect everyone around the world. Well, you've immediately dis- literally disconnected people by saying you can't be in this league anymore uh, because you've spoken out again. You know, in, in because you've you've you know used your your right to free speech in a way we don't we're not comfortable with. I just want to underscore that I think everyone on this speaking for myself at least, I think this is a fucking huge mistake on Blizzard's part. I cannot believe I can believe I can believe that they did this but it it is frustrating and i hope that they it's extremely disproportionate deeply like, given like i'm not i would not have been you know it's understandable to some degree that it's like okay like the moment you allow some level of political speech like where do you like start drawing that line and so it's like i can see like why an esports platform would be like yeah you know what sorry like just <sighs> all across the board not going to allow it but then to take take that out take his money i mean like it's to take that, his money I think that's away. Where, was, it's wild, yeah, and, man. And and a full year ban. Like it's the, it's the disproportionate response that feels like it's sending 
a really chilling message along with it, I think is what has led a lot of people to, um, to be as angry as, as they are because it just doesn't feel like, and with no real like explanation to go along with it. Right. Like it's been humorous to watch the NBA, like fumble their way forward as they've been like constantly in front of, for people who don't know, part of the reason this is blowing up with the NBA is because it's the preseason. Right. And part of the preseason in the NBA is they do a lot of games internationally and the Rockets specifically have a huge, uh, hugely profitable, um, a team that is very popular in China because they had a player from China. Um, and, um, so they're constantly in front of cameras forced to explain themselves over and over again. So you get, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, like people who otherwise would like go on for 15 minutes to eloquently speak on like any subject pulled out of a, uh, uh, out of a hat. And on this one, they're like, uh, you know, mm, next question. Um, and so Blizzard has said nothing internally. They have said nothing externally. They've said nothing. Their best out is probably actually to say nothing, but here's the thing that's kind of like, uh, I've been thinking about this whole time. Like BlizzCon is in three weeks. <laughs> BlizzCon was a disaster for them last yeah. year over the Diablo mobile stuff, which was so well, like, blown up. But was tied to this. I, I, this is the thing that's fucked up, right? Is like, think think back. This is why it's such a fucking weird onion to unpeel is because if you go back and look at the reactions to the Diablo mobile game, half of it was weird yellow peril shit, right? Half of it was like, the Chinese are going to make that game. They're just going to make a Chinese mobile game. And it's like, there are so many layers of grossness layered on top of each other here that... Go, right. That include the response to that specific announcement. I, I, it, ooh, it's just, it is a lot. But anyway, sorry, to your point, you're right. Three weeks from now, what happens? Yeah, they have live Q&As. They're going to have a, you know, I, at this point, I expect them to not say anything. I expect them to try and just, you know, do what a lot of other, I, I, you know, the NBA, I don't know, has helped their cause by trying to talk through it. I think Blizzard is just going to shut their mouth and roll the BlizzCon and, Diablo four, yeah. you know, four. here you, here you yeah. go. Um, but you know, it's, you know, the little I know from the folks that are over there, like it's, um, it's a very stressful time because you have a company acting in a way that does not, you know, feel in line with the values of a lot of people there. And that's, you know, I, I know that feel, um, <laughs> and, uh, really quick. I just, that's gotta be, that's gotta be. I just want to go back and just clarify one final point that I made before, but maybe I didn't put the capper on it, which is like, when I talk about that double speak and the double think, the like, you say with your mouth that the reason you want to be part of the, the kind of cultural imperialist project is you want to make parts of the world where there is oppression happening and there are human rights violations more like the liberal West. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're uh, kind of uh, retracting or, or silencing uh, people who speak against your own involvement in those places or who speak against the, the oppression in those places. The underlying thing for me is those companies don't give a fuck about human rights violations. Those, there might be people in those companies who care about those things. For sure, of right. course there are. I, I mean, you look at the Blizzard campus, people are fucking pissed. We, we, you, you mentioned before, people at the, the statue are going out and showing like, hey, you, we are not upholding these values that you say we have. Because as a company, they don't have that value as a, as a, as a, as a, not as a collection of individuals, but as like a profit driven organization where individual it's marketing. Exactly. Exactly. And it's marketing often to the people who work there. Why should you come to, to be at Blizzard? Because it's a family, because here are the values we expose. And people believe it. Uh, like you talk, you like when you talk to folks that like, like that has yes. been part of the Blizzard ethos. That ethos has sort of fallen apart in like the last couple of years specifically. But like 
that's not bullshit. Like that is, I mean, it's propaganda in its own in its own right. But like people believed it. Like this is a place. This is a good place to work with good people who make good things, and we're making the world a better place. And like that was a mantra that people believed and worked and towards. They aspired to. Here. I'm not. I'm yeah. not saying that the people in in you know the the trenches and in the cubes are not working towards. It's probably an open office. Probably no cubes. But you know, at desks are not like <laughs> uh, how do I how do I achieve my best self and and make this place better. But I think that as a as a, a kind of freewheeling or as like a, a a living organism, we you cannot trust the corporation as a thing as an institution to think about human rights violations only insofar as it impacts profit. Like really, truly only that much. You cannot count on it to change the world except to find new vectors for profit. And sometimes those vectors are looking the other way from human rights violations or working with, with uh, companies or with, with nations that are, are continuing to, to pursue them. Rob, you had something else here too. No, I was going to say I think you you can count on companies, right? Yes, uh, yes. But to do the opposite of what you want, <laughs> yes. Like, the, like the, there's no point at which, like, any sort of like golden era of American corporate governments or labor and management part partnership was itself founded. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like this idea of liberalism pretended that tensions that were sort of settled in blood, sweat, and tears uh, were somehow default states of nature right. that you didn't have to maintain anymore, that you didn't have to be a countervailing force against. Any sort of golden era of American business was itself founded on people forcing companies to change the way they did business, uh, forcing them to change their behavior, change, change the things they prioritized. Uh, that work was incomplete and incomplete in its success. Uh, but like, I think if you follow, uh, Edward over at motherboard, yeah. uh, you know, one of the stories that uh, he's been covering lately is all the tech firms and tech workers who are who find that their work is associated with the work that ICE does. Uh, that GitHub has a contract with with ICE uh, to you know to allow ICE to use GitHub uh, contributions to build software. Uh, these are things that both when it comes to repression in China or repression and human rights abuses here in the United States, uh, there are a lot of people who didn't think their work was part of that or didn't want their work to be part of that. And what they find again and again is as an employee, Companies don't necessarily like companies don't want you thinking about that. They don't they don't want you to feel like you are entitled to have an opinion or a position on whether your labor should be furthering or advancing these interests. Yeah, uh, and that's the that's the thing they're they're desperately trying to ignore. And I think the I think the strategy is going to be uh, similar to what what Patrick was saying. Um, just ride it out, right? Oh, you're unhappy today because we overreacted. Our bad, uh, but. In the end, if we just sort of close our eyes hard enough and pretend this isn't happening and pretend that these tensions don't exist, maybe we can get to the place we're at with, uh, you know, Saudi oil money <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Middle Eastern ruling families, yeah. right? Uh, where there there's a lot of there's a lot of people enjoying soccer games uh, and, and soccer teams that aren't necessarily like I'm on a podcast about formula one. Um, you know, yeah. we end up going to a lot of places uh, with, with a lot of repression. Yeah. But because there's no expectation that things should be any different, uh, 
uh, people tend to fall silent. I think that's the that's kind of the awful thing of our time is if you just never respond, <laughs> things just the wheel keeps spinning. You know, the yeah, the, yeah. So, recognize you know, that moment. THQ Nordic will do something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. The the th- I mean, actually, the thing that I want to say there is like that silence indicates vulnerability. Uh, you know, th- there is a common uh, a common way of thinking about the Sunday morning news shows, which is uh, when the White House doesn't send anyone, it's because they're fucking terrified of being asked questions. Um, you know, n- normally you send out people to start spinning stuff for you when when stuff is bad. Yeah. But when you're not even doing the spin, that's because you know you're in trouble and that opening your mouth in any way could fuck you up. So, hey, if you're at Blizzard, if you're at the NBA if you're at one of these places, if you're at Apple, if you're at a company that is is pursuing uh, a practice that you know they don't want to they don't want to uh, uh, answer for, make them answer for it. Keep raising your voices there, right? Um, I say that here as someone who has been at a company advice where like we've had to do that work, we've had to speak up in a way that has made billionaires mad at us in the past at this company to try to hold them accountable for things. And it's when they don't want to talk about it that you you know that you actually have found the issue where you can you actually have a little leverage because it's when they come out like well we're listening that you like ah oh, they're gonna fucking weasel worm their way out of this shit like they're gonna find the this you know we've listened loud and clear um, we've we've heard from people all around the company uh, about what your your values are and we want to incorporate those values into our values or whatever we, we want to reflect the diversity of opinion. That the company has. And like that shit, you're not going to get anywhere. But in a moment like this, I, I I can imagine there being this ongoing conversation building into something else if the folks inside who are pissed continue to stay pissed, continue to stay active, um, not just angry, but active uh, and and continue to build support. And, and again, like for me, so much of this ends up coming back to like worker organization. There is no – if – one of the ways in which I have seen companies be held accountable for things that go beyond worker abuses and go towards business decisions is already having an organization together where workers can pull their concerns and wield some degree of power. Having an organization, having a guild, having a union that represents that, – that is able to, away from the company campus – Get people together and go. Well, how do we feel about this? And should there should we do something about this? Should we ask them to respond during one of the times where they've agreed to respond to us? Those you know, having a union allows you to do that, right? Like I mean, that's like a small benefit that I think maybe people or not a not so small benefit that people don't think about when it comes to unions is that when you have a union, the company has to take a meeting with you on certain certain amount of times per year, and at those meetings, you can hold them to the fire a little bit and at least make them say things. Uh, or or refuse to say things on the record in such a way that then they can be held accountable for. And it's hard to do that if you're one person at a desk. It's way easier to do that if you are a big group. Partially, this is why protests are effective, is because <laughs> mass power is real. Mass power holds those in power accountable. Um, and for me, at the end of the day, like I, it, it, if I have to err in one in one direction, it's going to be towards mass mass power. You know. Anyway, I am. I am curious. One thing that's interesting about this moment in particular is that, um, I mean, you should always give pause when you find yourself uh, both Gamergate and Elms to the left. Like there's been a mix. Like part of the reason this has been so toxic and huge is because both sides have found themselves 
pointing ire in the same direction mm-hmm. when it's usually those sorts of sides are coming into conflict with one another over whatever the skirmish is that day. And so like when I interviewed those college students, they struck me as genuine. They struck me as, you know, kids that actually on on some level as 19-year-olds like cared what was going on or at least were aware of it. Um, but that's what makes things like BlizzCon and what happens going forward so interesting because it's going to be so easy to set blizzard off like if all it takes is a sign like like where does this end where does the line like you know what i mean like how much can they realistically do like it's not difficult for anyone to like throw uh, a wrench in the gears and it's not going to take someone who's politically minded to do it it could just be someone who just wants to you know fuck with people and so like that just makes with this this mixture of people who are responding to it so interesting you know it's why you get 24 hours ago uh there uh, an extremely viral tweet like 20,000 retweets (laughs) in which someone said oh man blizzard's stopping us from deleting our accounts it's like okay it is possible that maybe they would have put a stop to that is it more possible that like Boy, not usually a you know an international incident is causing an un you know a disproportionate amount of people try to access their accounts and the servers are overloaded. Um, and even that person who this tweet went viral admitted about an hour later, like, oh yeah, I was able to delete my tweet. Didn't delete the viral tweet because look, when you got seventy followers and something's been shared twenty thousand times, you know, you you like that social currency, but. Um, uh, it just makes for a really interesting moment. Yeah. Like when Mark Kern, um, who, yes, he did work on World of Warcraft. Like there is on on some level, I, I, I can, okay. But like, you know, a chief proponent of yeah. Gamergate, someone who, who wrapped Gamergate around himself. Like when you find, like I've seen people who should know better, who just either forgot <laughs> or don't remember or have not, are not ignorant or choosing to be ignorant of who folks like Mark Kern are, when you find yourself like tweeting, quote tweeting, sharing stuff to people like that, said like, you need to, you know, the moment you're agreeing with Marco Rubio or Mark Kern is a moment to take a breath, think about what's going on and decide like which path you would like, (laughs) which path you're walking forward. Just, just take a deep breath because it's, that's usually fraught. There are, there are often ways to get at what you want to say. I guess like the thing is, we, we talk about this a lot with this podcast is, um, the thing I think the thing I'm proudest of or that when people say I love your podcast because X, the thing that strikes me the most tends to be I had this feeling. I thought I, I understood something. You helped me understand it and give me language for it. And that's like really moving to make. Oh, wow. Yeah, we like we helped figure out a way to talk about an issue that you had at your front of your mind. Uh in moments of crisis, sometimes you reach for whatever is closest. And that is how you end up with a Mark right. Kern retweet on your timeline. Um <laughs> Or in the New or York the, Times. Or in the New York Times, for instance. Uh, <laughs> pump the brakes. There is no – if what you're talking about is tweeting, there is no rush. You don't have to rush to get your retweet, like, out there. If you were in the streets, we could have a different conversation about crises. If you're out there, like, performing medical aid for people, move quick. You know, don't I'm not saying like <laughs> check the check who the person retweeted before you apply the you know the the your your medical aid. Like no, 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 no. That's not what the fuck I'm saying at all. But when it comes to like, yeah, I'm fucking pissed. Retweet, retweet, retweet. Like it's when I see someone retweet Sean King or Seth Abramson in 2019, and I'm like, mm, yeah, I get it, I get it, I I get that you're mad, but just pump 
the brakes. What I love, oh, we, I think, uh, it's, uh, it's, yeah, you know, and, and then even people who know better on, like, a Seth Abramson yeah. are like, all right, you, you know, know I don't, I don't share I Seth Abramson tweets. <laughs> Which, look, one, one, one positive benefit uh. of, uh, that you could take, some uh, cosmic uh, benefits is that watching a lot of people just, like, <laughs> step in it. Watching Stephen A. Smith uh. all of a sudden be like, you know, you know. Why don't they talk about the Israeli-Palestinian <laughs> conflict, huh? <laughs> Max Kellerman's Just... blinks will be with me forever. Uh, we were we were Bless. actually blessed. Go look up that clip if you haven't seen it. We were blessed with it. two great Stephen A. Smith things this week. First, him <laughs> trying to say no one talks about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict uh, because, and he couldn't finish his thought because they threw the commercial. <laughs> Uh, Max Max Kellerman just dragging the Knicks, just dragging the New York Knicks as Stephen A. Smith just just collapses in on him. Just like like you know how Pac Man would do the thing where he like unfolds himself yeah. until there's nothing left. What he uh-huh. that's what happened to Stephen A. this week when Max went in on the on the Knicks. Uh, uh. Well, now we've talked about Stephen A. Smith, so I think that means we can we can step out of this. It's a full circle waypoint Absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Any other final thoughts on on this particular news of the week? I know it's a big one, and you know, like I said before, we try to do our best to, to hit this from as many angles as possible, or as as, as comprehensive a perspective as possible, because I do think it is more complicated than than the retweet might say, but also demands response. Um, I think to your point, Rob, like. Sometimes you want to step out of. You want to be like, I can't touch this one at all. And knowing when, like, eh, but you could, is is important. Uh, and and it's about doing that work and getting yourself to the point where you could, you know, add your voice when it makes sense to. Yeah, the week baited us. It into fucking this. Like, did. We, like summit. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> like that podcast ended with like, eh, hmm, eh, and then was just like, like. it's so funny. God, life. I was like, I'm so glad I'm on vacation. <laughs> like Patrick was like, I'm having fever hallucinations. And I was like, damn, Patrick's having a week. I should maybe cut this vacation short. No way. No, no, no way. I'm going to watch vacation. TV instead. No way. Fuck that. Stay on vacation. Come play Final Fantasy 15 with me. 14. What am I playing? 14. 14. 14. That's the uh, one. Jesus. It's Austin's Final Fantasy story. Sometimes I wonder, man, I wish I had more free time. And other times I no. go, okay, yeah, here's I'm my defense. Actually, this is the thing that I actually, uh-huh. there is something. <laughs> There is actually something here that is like... I thought we closed this No, no, no. This is not about the We're game, back. but it is about the mode of play. I think a lot of the frustration uh-huh. I have when I'm playing this game is because it isn't productive. And this is more of like, I need to fucking take my own medicine. I need to like actually listen mm-hmm. to my own words. But Rob, you remember a few months ago when I was like, it's okay to do something that isn't productive? Oh, yes. And then you made somebody, somebody remixed that and set it to music. <laughs> they they did do that. It's very good. Um, this is that for me to some degree. And that's why I'm chafing against it so hard is that it's so much downtime and it's not downtime that I can be engaged with in that critical sense. Like, yes, I can drag the weird like anti-indigenous sub <laughs> subtext of not subtext, main text, <laughs> surface text of this game. Um, but m- moment to moment, what I'm mostly doing is hitting one, 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 two, one, one, three. And like that, I, I don't, I'm not engaged the way I am with, like, you listen to me talk about John Wick Hex. I'm trying to like analyze every, every moment of that game to see like, how is it communicating a sense of tension and, 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 you know, tactics. That's not what's happening in Final Fantasy 14. I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of like coasting 
And it is probably important for me to let myself, to teach myself how to coast again, to like put on a podcast, turn off my brain for a few hours a day, play this game before bed and like chill. Like that is part of why I've made this big life change, mm. but it's hard to do. It's, it is genuinely hard to do. And so I'm like, that's part of why I'm sticking with it is, is like, let me try to cultivate this type of feeling again so that I can do other stuff that's in the similar like <laughs> space, which, which is hard for me right now. Rob is grinning because he doesn't believe me. <laughs> no, I'm just skeptical. I'm so it's it's kind of like everything you were saying there made sense. Uh huh. But then the end point was it's really important that I have this sort of chill, unstructured time, just playing this sort of silly game because I'm going to do something with this. I am cultivating useful skill. It is and that skill, skill I, it, is wasting it, time. It is. Yeah, but I, I'm not I feel gonna, like I, I get that I'm dressing no, it up. It's, it's, you I get break that I'm the using... magic the moment you become aware of it. No. The moment you become aware no. of it, you break it. No, because magicians still You're like, no, magicians still appreciate magicians still appreciate the craft of other magicians, even though they know the trick. You don't have to stop, you don't have to pretend to not know the language of analysis to get yourself to a place to appreciate that you're not doing analysis. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is not... Magicians don't only get excited when they're tricked. They often get excited when they see others get tricked by a good craftsman. Yeah, yeah. In this case, I remember a time in my life when I was very busy, when I was in grad school, but still had the ability to play an MMO or to go for a three-hour walk and not feel like I'm wasting my time. And I'm Mm -hmm. slowly getting back to that place, but I'm never going to get to a place where I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that that's not a skill I'm cultivating. That's a skill. Like, and it's not in the same way that I'm never going to pretend to write a review that isn't subjective. Like I know it's subjective. I know it's a skill. It's okay to admit that that's those things. I don't have to pretend. I don't have to put blinders on and be like, ah, yes, no, I'm just going back to a pure me. Like, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise. You know, it is. And that's okay. It's okay that I have to exercise at being someone who can once again go for a three-hour walk or sit down and play an MMO for three hours without pulling my hair out. Right now, I'm still pulling my hair out. Right now, an hour and a half into that three-hour walk, I'm still going like, I got to get back there. There has to be something else I have to get done today. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. And like, it's going to take effort to get to there. And I'm not at the point yet where I can pretend that effort isn't real. (laughs) I get what you're saying, but I don't think it maps for me. Hmm. You know, different strokes, man. You have such a naturalist way about you that I don't have in which you already have such an appreciation for that style of like exploration and sort of um, long time. And I've lost it. Well, sort of, except I spent a good portion of my vacation thinking about that exact issue and being like, damn, like even with nothing, no waypoint stuff to do during the day, where did the day go? I didn't do enough. There, I wasn't I wasn't productive enough. Yeah. Productive in the ways I wanted it to be, which is like I didn't make my crumets. I wish I you had. Uh you know, I, I didn't play. I, I didn't play enough of games that had nothing to do with work. I didn't uh, hang out and just read, and so I, I spent a good portion of this break being like, "Damn, I have lost the ability to like have that good unstructured downtime." What I better do is create a list <laughs> of downtime pursuits I want to engage in. Oh, that I don't. And do. then cross those things okay, off that, the list. That's too far. And so like. <laughs> Yeah, but see, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of what you're going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. And Final Fantasy 14 is like, hey, you got to crush 
these indigenous peoples yes. and bring them to heal. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, so what you're saying is I need to learn just how to be. I just be gotta relax with like time because passing. you have to. If you played Final Fantasy fourteen, you would understand this, Rob. Because mostly I'm not crushing the indigenous peoples behind my heel. Mostly I'm doing a heavy shot over and over thirty times to something called a, a what is it fucking called? Does a, your character say the name goblin? of the attack? No, it's time. like heavy shot, heavy shot. No, damn, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I'm like a big dope cat guy though, like not a nice. cat boy, like a like a lion. Like oh, what if a lion, a cat man? Exactly. Hell yeah. Exactly. A, a lion-o. A lion. I'm a lion. I'm like more hunched over than lion mm, I look mm. good. It's it's a good look. Like Beast? Sort of like Beast. Yeah. Sort of like Beast. But more liony even than Beast is. Man, Beast is cool. All right. On that note, we should end this podcast. If you have <laughs> questions. Are you talking about Disney Beast or... Oh, X-Men you were talking. I was talking about X Men Beast. Yeah, but you're right. More like yeah. more like Disney Beast, but kind of in the middle. If there's a middle ground between Disney mm. Beast and X Men Beast, that's the character I'm playing. Gamingadvice.com. I'm an archer. Yeah, it's the whole thing. I'm kind of going against type. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, gamingadvice.com. I've given this a lot of thought. Yeah. This is the email address <laughs> if you have questions or comments about any of the things we've said today. Um, most of us get those emails. Someone here should make sure Patrick gets those emails. Uh, or don't. Uh, or don't. Made it this uh, far. If you, here's the thing, though. I will put, put this out there again. Patrick, you did tweet out saying that if you are in a place like Blizzard right now, uh, feel free to reach out to us. You can do that style of reach out. Yeah, I have a, I have a signal. Yeah, I have a signal uh, number. I can, I can list off. Two two four seven zero seven one five six one. That's two two four seven zero seven one five six one. I know uh, one thing I'll mention is that uh, I heard for one person over a different thing recently over a, a signal in which they were like, "Ah, stinks!" In signal, you got to put your own phone number in. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wish it would generate a number for you. It doesn't. It uses your phone number and exposes that to the person that you choose to reach out to. So do what I did. And what a lot of people do is go make a, a free uh, Google right. voice number. Um, you can just get that'll forward to your, you can have that forward to your phone and it can you'd be used as your signal number. And then you can mask your cell phone number if that is something that um, understandably would give you. Pause. So yeah, a few thoughts uh, from, from inside a company like this um, definitely reach out because, because, I, it is hard to find a place to give your voice a platform uh, right now, um, a, a real one, especially when you know that you're at a company that punishes speaking out about this shit. So, uh, right, yeah, yeah. I'm Austin Walking. Find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker Cotto. Where can people find you? At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. Patrick. At Patrick and Cotto. Rob. At Rob Zachney. Thank you all for joining us this week. We'll be back next Monday. What's coming out? What's... Not Monday. Oh, you're right. We have yeah. off on Monday. Indigenous People's Day. Shout out to Indigenous People's Day. Um, what are we doing next week? We should decide what we're doing next I don't know. week. What is coming? Yeah, out next something's week. happening. I think Tuesday. I think did we land on Tuesday? I could do a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Doing Tuesday, probably. I think we'll do a Tuesday. Well, I mean, it comes out Monday night anyway, normally, right? So right. Tuesday. So, well, it'll evening. be it'll be like Tuesday night. So mm-hmm. day later. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what comes out next? Uh, was it? Let's see. Tuesday. Huh. Hmm. Overwatch on Overwatch Switch. Overwatch on Switch. Huh. 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 Hmm. Let's see how that goes. God, I really want to know. I really want to see if there's even the tiniest dip in any. Anyway. 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 Is Killer Queen Black really coming out? 
next week? Like yeah. actually? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um it's a good game, although really a game you want to play. Oh, there's a news bit so. that we didn't talk about. You know I'm critical of Steam. Do-do-do-do. You know I'm critical of Valve. You know that I'm like, mm. you see this uh-huh. new feature that they're putting out with uh, Couch Co-op? Oh, yeah. This, this is, is fucking dope. dope. Yeah. I wish this was here a few Basically. years ago when these games were huge. I know. Yeah, the short version is that they're going to, you know, uh, yeah, when they had these local multiplayer games, the gang beasts of the world, and there was like a real local multiplayer explosion, there was always people understandably frustrated that uh, – there wasn't netcode, so you could play them over the internet. And developers would constantly be like, it's not like a switch you turn on. You don't just add <laughs> multiplayer. Which is so true. Lots of games yeah. didn't get that. Yeah. Um, and Steam is apparently going to, and Valve are going to sort of like circumvent that, and there will be a way to f- essentially flip any local multiplayer game into one that you can do um, online, which is really not dissimilar to like what? Like, you know, what emulators allow you to do right. with old games um, where you can play uh, with people through a, a ROM. So that's cool. Like that's genuinely like useful yeah. um, for, especially for smaller studios that can then point to and say, yeah, well we didn't have the time and resources, but if you download it in Steam, you can do it there. Yeah. That's cool. I wish they do more of that and <laughs> less of less the, of other, the stuff. other stuff. Absolutely. Uh, I want to try that out. I'll have to look through my, my library of games and find something that I'm desperate to play with somebody else. So ironically, you know, uh, it is funny because Killer Queen Black or the original Killer Queen almost like predated mm-hmm. that scene blowing up on PC games, um, and it purposely was arcade yes, only yes. for uh, like they that was their whole bit was like we want people to play it with other people in a room and so we're just only going to release it on arcades and I, I as someone that played a bunch of that because there were a handful of those machines in Chicago like it was a game that yeah I'm sure is still fun online but like greatly benefits from yelling at people <laughs> totally. All right, that is going to do it for us this week. We will catch you next Tuesday for another episode of Waypoint Radio. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right. How the fuck has Little Town Hero not gotten a U.S. release date yet? That's that new Game Freak game. Wait, it hasn't? I thought that was... I think that's... Yeah, actually in the direct. Oh, did it? Did it get a date? Okay, okay, okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I may have missed that. Because I remember the Toby Fox soundtrack stuff. I didn't know if it actually got a North American date. Is that also... Okay, okay. I thought that was a Japanese date, so that's good. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That's exactly a game that a year ago would have come out on the 3DS and I would have never played because it was out on the 3DS. Right. Um, uh, Here's a fun thing I need someone to do. Hmm. Can someone log in to my podcast notes and share them with my personal email? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, uh, I haven't uh, changed them or anything I, I haven't it. been able to. I'll get it right because, there. But just for the future, because... Yeah, I got it. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. My email turned off in the middle of the day yesterday again, which is very strange. This thing has not come through yet, but we're just going to go with it. Uh, today is the 11th. This is coming out on the 11th. Yeah. Uh, and what's the episode number, Kata? 270. 270. Um, okay. That's time about is. That still works. Oh, um, Kato, my last track we, was after I'd updated my recorder, right? Were there any of those artifacts on the last podcast we did? Nope. You okay, would have heard great. from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, everything was fine. Cool. Was okay, so hopefully whatever that was. Yeah, hopefully that holds. <laughs> uh, you want to do da, 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 seven seconds. Oh, hold on. Oh, no. damn. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Go ahead. Did you need to warm your hands up? No, dude. It's 101.6. Like, just don't. Do not D- test not today. me right now. <laughs> not today. 23 seconds. I do not have it. All right. You're it's still cold. clocking at 101.6? That's... No, no. I've it, it dropped, but I've had... Rob, I've been by myself. It's been a, it's been a long week. I've made it work. Let's, let's record a podcast. <laughs> All right. 